You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. I am going to start out today by speaking two words, and then I'll just give you a few seconds on your own to contemplate those two words. You ready? Okay, here we go. Judgment Day. As I spoke those two words, what happened? Were you filled with a little bit of fear? Were you filled with a little bit of apathy? Yeah, whatever. Were you filled with joy? Were you filled with hesitancy and uncertainty or were you filled with peace when you heard those two words, Judgment Day? In today's sermon text, we have a preview of Judgment Day. Daniel, the prophet Daniel, is the first one to get this preview. And that's all it is. It's a preview, so we can't press the details too much, okay? But what Daniel saw and what has been recorded for us gives us an idea of what we will see on that day we stand before God's throne of judgment. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. So let's dig a little deeper into what Daniel saw. He refers in this vision to God as the Ancient of Days. And Daniel's right, he is ancient. (laughs) He is old. Very, very old. So old, in fact, that God doesn't even have a birthday. He doesn't have a beginning. He always has been, always will be. He's the one who had the very first word at creation, and in our text for today, we find out he's the one who will have the very last word on the last day of this world. The first and the last. While all the nations of this world come and go, the Ancient of Days always is. And in this vision, the Ancient of Days is wearing clothing as white as snow. Now that I live in Chula Vista, I'm not going to talk about the snow part. I'm done talking about snow. I'm going to talk about the white part. White throughout Scripture symbolizes purity, holiness, perfection. Yeah, God who is the judge can only make judgments that are pure and perfect and holy and right. Unlike the judges of this world who may at times be hypocritical or may come to a wrong judgment that can never happen to God, his judgments are always perfect. Not only is he wearing white clothing, we also learn that his hair is white like wool. 
Now, people with white hair, generally speaking, are a little bit older, but here he's not emphasizing God's age. He's emphasizing the fact that people who have white hair can also have wisdom. They've lived many years in this world, have many experiences, and have learned so many lessons, and they can pass that wisdom on to the next person. That's what Daniel is emphasizing here, that God is truly wise. Again, he can make no wrong judgments. There will be no objections in God's courtroom. There will be no appeals. Because in his wisdom, his judgment will be perfectly right and it will be final. Daniel also saw a lot of fire in the vision. The throne was flaming with fire, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. And all that fire does emphasize the seriousness of God's judgment. It's a very vivid picture about God's seriousness about and hatred over sin and rejection of him. And fire is the ultimate and eternal result for those who reject him. But there's more. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. What a magnificent part of the vision this must have been for Daniel. To see the thousands upon thousands of angels gathered around the throne of God. The same angels, mind you, that God sends out to guard and protect his people today. The same angels that God sends out to guard and protect every one of us. What a sight it must have been. Such a sight, in fact, that words can't even describe the awesomeness of it. But there we have it, the, the, the scene of God's courtroom at the end of time. If we keep in mind the context of Daniel chapter 7, the, the, the context of that chapter is, is that the nations of this world will be judged. And that brings us a lot of comfort because there are a lot of corrupt nations in this world now and in history, and it gives us comfort to know that they will be dealt with according to God's time and according to God's wisdom. It gives us great comfort to know that God is going to deal with his enemies, which in turn are our enemies. So there's comfort here. But is that all you're left feeling as you read this, this scene of, of Judgment Day? Are you feeling comforted? Because if you're at all like me, you make the connection to the fact that, that God who judges the nations of the earth is also God who judges each one of us individually. Judgment Day. What are the, the first thoughts that come into your mind when, when you hear those two words? I mean, quite honestly, I, I, I was squirming in my chair in that room over there this week, reading through these words again. And do you know which words caused me to squirm the most? The court was seated, and the books were opened. Your book and my book will be wide open for the judge to see. And what's in your book? And the books don't lie. The, the books in God's courtroom only tell the absolute truth. The, the books in God's courtroom 
speak with absolute clarity and indisputable proof. So what do your books show? Do they show that you were more a child of God or more a child of this world? Thus the reason for my squirming this week. It's hard not to shudder at this vision and, and you hear the solemn declaration that the books were opened. I squirmed this week when I read those words. I mean, does that cause you to squirm, to loosen your collar a little bit today when you hear that too? The books will be open. Now, in this day and age of email forwards and Facebook posts, I'm sure along the way you, you have heard the story called The Room. Now, usually I don't read a chunk like I'm going to here in a sermon, but I feel it's appropriate here. In this story, The Room, there's, there's this man in his dream who walks into a room that is filled with filing cabinets, kind of like a library. You have that picture in your mind? But these files, which stretched from floor to ceiling and seemingly endlessly in either direction, had very different headings. It didn't take me too long to figure out exactly where I was. This room with its files was a crude catalog system for my life. Here were written the actions of my every moment, big and small, in details my memory couldn't match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror, stirred within me as I began randomly opening files and exploring their content. Some brought joy and sweet memories, others a sense of shame and regret so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was looking. A file named Friends was next to one marked Friends I Have Betrayed, and the files had every detail. Lies I have told, jokes I have laughed at, things I've yelled at my brothers, things I have done in my anger, things I've muttered under my breath at my parents and wife. When I came to a file marked lustful thoughts, I felt a chill run through my body. I pulled out only one card of the thousands, maybe millions, and I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt so sick to think that such a moment had been recorded. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever see this room. But then I looked up, and I saw him standing there in the room. No, please not him, not here, anyone but him. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that story because I don't want anyone to see what's in my records either. I don't want my former teachers or employers to know. I, I don't want my wife to know what's all in that book. I don't want any of you to know what's in that book. But mostly, I don't want him to know. And yet he does. It's open for him to see. And that's why I shuddered this, this week studying this text you might not be able to see it because the gown is hiding it, but in some ways I'm even squirming a little bit right now in preaching this sermon. Wouldn't it be awkward if this is where I said amen? I can only imagine the comments and feedback about this sermon as you would walk out of here today. Not much comfort today, Pastor. 
Is there any comfort to be gained? There is, if we dig into the the details of this vision a little bit more. Daniel records for us that there were thrones, plural, thrones that were set in place. Who else is sitting on a throne? Scripture, God's holy word, gives us plenty of evidence to give us a very clear answer. From Psalm 110 to Philippians to Revelation, it is very clear that the Son of God has a throne and he is sitting on it. Yeah, the Son of God, that's Jesus. The very same Jesus who cared enough about all of you to die for you. He'll be there. The Son of God, Jesus, the same Jesus who rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins will be there. The Son of God, Jesus, the same Jesus who throughout his ministry made a very clear effort at making the point known that we are his brothers and sisters, that we are his children, that we are his sheep, that we are his family. He's the one who's going to be there. We know because God's Word tells us so. And that information gives us comfort. And it actually creates in us at least a little desire to look forward to that day when we're done with this world. We're just just done with it. And we stand before the judge and we hear the verdict we already know is coming because we've already been given it. Not guilty. Yeah, there is comfort here and throughout Scripture. You think about Jeremiah 31, 34, where we're told by God, I forgive your sins and remember them no more. All the way to 1 Corinthians 13, where there is in it a picture of Christ's love for us, and it describes Christ's love as keeping no record of wrongs. Oh, there is comfort. And the more we even dig into A reference like Revelation 20, we see that there's another important detail. There are actually two books. One book keeps track of and has in it all of of people's deeds, the the bad things they've done, the, the good things they didn't do. But there's another book we're told about, and in that book are only names. That's just it, simply names. And that book is called the Book of Life. Now, that's the book that really matters, right? And on that day when you stand before the judge, he opens that book, will your name be found in it? Actually, there's a lot of evidence that your name already is. Your name. The name of one who was chosen by God before the creation of the world. Your name, the, the name of one who brought you into God's family through holy baptism. Your name, the, the name of one who has been sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Your name. The, the name of one who has been fenced in, guarded and protected throughout your life with God's word, through catechism instruction and devotions and Bible study. And here, your name. The name of one who has had Christ's white robe of righteousness carefully draped upon you. Let the facts speak for themselves and the facts are in God's word. 
Yeah, and, and, and we are prepared for that day. We are prepared for that moment as we stand before God's judgment throne, not because of our deeds, but because of the judge's grace. So there we have it, right? Now we can walk out of here today and get on with living once again. That's the temptation, to, to walk out of here today and, and to just go on as is. If that is the temptation, and I know it is because that's a temptation I have too, a suggestion for all of us, and I hesitate to offer this as a suggestion, but just a suggestion, open up your book. Just take a peek in and see all the things and hear all the things that you've thought, said, and, and done, and realize the seriousness of them. But then quickly slam close that book and grab another one. Grab the other book, which reminds us of how incredibly blessed we are in Christ. Be reminded about the one who's going to judge us is the one who is also the ancient of days who has prepared us for that day. Be reminded that the, the white clothing that Daniel saw him wear is the same white clothing that has already been placed on us in Christ. There will be no squirming for us on that day. By God's grace, we are going to be spared from the fire of God's judgment and only feel the warm embrace of our Savior Jesus. That's comfort. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.